We see a growing interest in learning more about the, you know, feminine divine that uh, we don't always see jumping off the pages of the scriptures but clearly there it's there and uh i mentioned genesis chapter one when we uh the we created or god created uh in the image of god male and female and uh of course abra book of abraham talks about the gods plural cr uh, creating things i, I want to just transition a little bit here and I want to talk about the uh, something that uh, was mentioned by M. Russell Ballard in the 2002 BYU address that I mentioned earlier, because I think it it's again it's a uh, it establishes a but from a from an apostle of the Lord, it establishes a concept that I have felt is true, and I think Sean, you have insight about it, and that is. Uh, and I want to read a scripture before I have you elaborate or expound on it. And that is that the things that are happening on the earth is uh, nothing more than being played out what occurred in heaven. Um, that things happen spiritually first, and then they happen in the physical world. And what I want to go to is Moses chapter 3. Most, Book of Moses is in the Pearl of Great Price. And... If you read in Moses chapter 2, you've got the Lord uh, creating the earth, organizing the earth, uh, and he's got help. We learn that from other, other versions, uh, mainly Abraham, the book of Abraham. But here's what it says here. It says, uh, verse 5, he, the seventh day he ends his work, supposedly ends it, blesses the seventh day, sanctifies it. But listen to verse 5. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for I, the Lord God, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. For I, the Lord, had not caused it to rain upon the face of the earth. So it isn't until he's all done with this spiritual creation described in the prior verses that the physical creation uh, occurs and so and that's also if you go to um, abraham chapter i think it's chapter five i'll check my notes if you want to look it up i won't quote it here um abraham chapter five verse five same same notion so sean uh m russell ballard talked about the fact that the war in heaven, which was basically, uh, and I, you could maybe describe what we were fighting over, because I think you have a recollection of it, which will be very valuable, that what we fought about then uh, is playing out on the earth today. Do you want to talk about that for a bit? You know, as I saw, the common thing is that all wars, everything from the pre-existence until this, even in other worlds, has all been fought over agency and how much agency uh, we're allowed to have. And to me, you know, I we were given so much agency to choose the things that we specialized on, whether it was plants or animals or 
or uh, creating rocks and, and those kind of things, that we were given a choice all along the way, even until we end this life. You know, even as people leave this earth uh, and go the other side, they don't have to just go right to Christ. They can choose to just hang around their relatives and things unless they start creating conflict. But agency is never taken away. And uh, that's this conflict, even as we're seeing it today, you know, because we saw us with not only organizing and gathering and making plans and studying other things and conversing with one another a lot, but we had missionaries and people that were really good on the other side that were missionaries that were pulling people back from Lucifer's plan. In fact, at one time, I saw that two-thirds of all the spirits in heaven had chosen Lucifer's plan because he'd made it sound simple and easy and straightforward and believable because his voice and his demeanor and his look is so suave and he speaks so eloquently and everything he convinced so many people that it was only through our missionary efforts that we drew back a third so that we had two thirds and he was at one third of the population. And so still today, here we are struggling uh, no matter what church we're in or whatever to bring those to believe in Christ and to trust in his grace and to trust in his mercy and to involve him in our daily lives. And that fight is exacerbated. And today, as we see the conflict within Ukraine and Russia and China and everywhere we look, we can see conflict. And most typically, the people that are heading up this are working to take away our choices and our agency because they feel like they know better than we do, that we should, we're not educated enough to make decisions for ourselves and that they should make decisions for us. And so therefore they are continually aligning themselves more and more with Lucifer to take away our choices. And of course, the way you do that in heaven or here is you create fear. And I saw Lucifer many times pull people off to the side, one-on-one -on -one in a dark corner and explain to them that getting a body was not something you wanted to do, that it had pain in this body that we, they could not understand, that you would go through horrible experiences, that you might watch a loved one die, that you might have health problems, that you might have all these things. And he created fear. And he says, if you follow me and follow my plan, we don't have to go through all this. You don't want to listen to them. But he would always take everybody aside that was questioning into a dark corner, one-on-one, -on -one, and talk to them in this way. And that pattern still repeats. And even at this time, the whole big thing with these one world order, open society, communist societies, or whatever, is to get you afraid enough that you just hand over all your choices to them and let them choose what you eat, where you live, how far you travel, what you own. And it's just, it's not the Lord's plan because with the Lord's plan, he would want each one of us to grow, to become like him. And he, there would be a path and a way for us to grow a teaching thing and we would make decisions of our own fate and decide for ourselves whether we were going to eat 
lettuce today or a hamburger today. You know, we're now they're even saying that meat's bad for us and we can't make that choice for ourselves. So we'll force it on you. But this pattern just goes on and on. This uh, principle of agency, uh, it seems to be like the center point of the entire plan is the ability, the the inherent God-given, maybe even, well, definitely eternal principle is that we have the right to choose, right? And that is absolutely right. In fact, to live within our universe, and we know that there are other worlds like unto ours and everything, but there is a law that governs our entire universe. And the number one law that affects everything else is not limiting others' agency or their choices and letting them choose for themselves. And so as we wrote our own individual plan for this earth, looking at the whole earth as one and the experiences to become like him, we had to interpret this big law book and to understand what requirements were of us to live within the bounds of this universe. And um, then we wrote our own and brought it before God, the most high God or the God creator of all, or what, you know, there are many, many names. I'd love to help others understand the many different names for him until he approved this plan that we had. And it wasn't just the first time that it was approved. And they would ask us to go back and think about different parts and to rewrite it. But see, our agency was never limited at that point either. We were still making choices. They were giving us suggestions and showing us how we could be do something better. But we kept writing and rewriting until it was approved. Uh... Satan's plan involved ensuring that everybody would return to the Father because he was going to remove agency, correct? Yes. Um, in fact, in my memories there, as he took, he had a copy of the Universal Law Book that he went through it very quickly. And uh, it says, oh, we can do this and we'll just do this. And you know, and then at a point where he got so many following him and everything, he says, you know, I don't think that I like the way uh, Heavenly Father has done things. It's just too hard. I think that if you follow me, we can unseat him and I can become the ruler of this universe. And we'll all skip this stage of pain and stuff with bodies. And we'll just all have cookies and ice cream, so to speak, you know, and we'll huh. all have big houses. But um it's just so false and everything that he, he stood for. It just didn't make sense. It didn't have reason to it, but he stood by it and, and convinced more and more and more people of this. Well, a couple observations about that. One is, or maybe questions. One is, given our eternal nature, how could one individual truly force everyone to the point where they could live in a way that they could all return back to Heavenly Father? Was that even a possibility uh, given our eternal natures? It, it was not, and it did not make sense to those of us that thought about it. And that's the same thing we're facing today with the way they want to reorganize our world and have one world religion and one 
world leader that makes all of the choices for us. There are so many things that don't make sense, that don't add up in our minds. There are some that are so afraid that they'd like to follow that way and like to have things taken care of. But once again, common sense or whatever light was built within us says that it doesn't work the same as on the other side. You know, I heard I hear, heard people talking today on a on a program, I think it was Bill Maher's program, and he asked a question, you know, what's the difference between equity and equality? And I think the the panel of people within the, uh, on and that was that e equality is equality of opportunity, right? Choice, whereas equity tries to uh, force or require the same outcome. And I do see this that you're talking about too, where we have like these uh, universal basic income concepts, where all these principles seem very satanic which i mean is part of satan's plan that uh we're going to take care of everybody uh no matter what you do whatever your effort is everyone's going to get the same it's his is kind of a plan of equity uh more which is really not possible there's not enough money in the world to make everything equitable uh there's some really great uh talks by uh, Jordan Peterson, who talks about this concept of equity and how there's just a certain number of people who will always rise to the top by virtue of the work that they do and are able to do and capable of doing or committed to do versus the vast majority of others. There's a principle called the Pareto principle and uh, P-A-R-E-T-O. It's kind of like an 80-20 rule where 20%, you know, do the vast amount of uh let's say wealth gathering and you just can't change it through uh you know legislation you can't change it through social engineering but people are bound and determined to make everything equitable and and uh and that means placing restrictions on people who can do great things and it means uh giving advantage to people who haven't worked or earned let's say in some situations i know people are disadvantaged but assuming certain things uh people's efforts and their focus can change the course of their lives but to try and force it all you know it's got to be one way this 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 spirit this this uh influence is is pervasive today um and yeah. it's it's definitely not working it's not going to work government can't do it government has failed uh, we can make a list a mile long of things the government tried to institute uh, along these lines and everything has failed because it goes contrary to certain eternal principles in my opinion you know i i wish i had a better voice and understanding of things like i love the way jordan peterson puts things together and common sense form and such a vast knowledge but i do know from what i saw in the pre-existence and designing our plan of salvation and everything that there were so many opportunities that even if we failed here there would be a way to cycle around and come back and cycle around and come back and cycle around and come back that there the only real way to completely fail at this life was to deny the holy ghost or to purposely kill somebody in innocent blood with full knowledge and so outside of that 
there were just opportunities and opportunities and opportunities. We worked so hard to make sure that no one failed, that they could repeat or do over to have the growth experiences that they needed to. And, you know, in the, some of these plans by what we're seeing now, um, ultimately they would like to get rid of everybody that's old and can't work. They'd like to get rid of all those that are not good workers in the factory or not capable in some way or disabled. And, you know, they don't want you to believe this on the surface because they look like bad people, but deep down inside, they want to create this perfect race similar to what Hitler did. And let's get rid of all the unmentionables. And, um, the, uh, the useless eaters, right? Yes. And, you know, my <laughs> in my life, it's so interesting, especially this time now where I'm disabled and, and things that I've begun to work a lot with wood. And it is overwhelming to me how I love to find pieces of wood and things that most people wouldn't even use for firewood, that they would throw away and discard, that they would not look twice at, and to sit there and ponder over these pieces and make them into something very beautiful and unique that will last many, many years, that there will be a living legacy of this thing that everybody else would discard. And, and I think that maybe this is part of who I came with from the pre-existence that I'm finding myself through these projects and finding out more about who I am by losing myself in this woodworking at times. Well, some of the pieces that you brought back from your trip uh, to the Midwest were atrocious. <laughs> I mean, really ugly pieces of wood. But man, <laughs> the photos I've seen of how they, I mean, the torture that the wood went through, uh, you've kind of unlocked that beauty, um, you know, things that were uh, bug infested, uh, rotted out, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even know what these pieces of wood have gone through either when they were alive or dead. And man, the colors, the beauty, it's really something else. You know, there's even some trees this summer that I saw that I grew up as a child visiting with my grandfather and walking through the forest that I remember these trees. I remember walking and talking with my grandfather there and uh, we've had a fire come through there and destroy this whole forest and people won't even go in there to cut them down for firewood. And I said to myself, I think there's something in this. I think there's something more to some of these pieces that are just so discarded and I got my son-in-laws <laughs> to help me, and we we cut down quite a bit of wood of interesting gnarly pieces, and I've made some interesting bowls out of this that, you know, I've worked with some other woodworkers, and they won't even touch this wood because it has too many flaws in it, and that it's not perfect, and they're looking for the perfect piece without any flaws to do what they need to. And I'm actually looking the opposite direction. I'm looking for something with more flaws and more discardedness because as I work with it, I, I feel like I embed some love into them. And I feel like I embed part of who I am in them and saving them. You know, I think this is what I came with. And I, I think people that paint or, you know, do other crafts uh, and things 
even welding and stuff, you can lose yourself in what you're doing. And then you find yourself when you lose yourself in it. Hmm. So that seems to be a very common uh, theme in the scriptures is it's never what you expect. I mean, I don't think that if I think if you interviewed uh, Jewish people at the time of Christ and said, what's the Messiah going to be like? They would not say, well, he'll be born in a manger, you know, born among animals and put in a manger uh, where animals are fed. And his father's going to be, a, well, his earthly father's who raised him is going to be a, a carpenter. I don't think anyone expected Jesus to, to be like that. 